I'm Joe. And I'm Ryan. And welcome to the Budget Bros Podcast. We've set out to make something different. Our goal is to reinvent the meaning of the word budget and to help you achieve a quality life without feeling like you're really giving anything up. We share our mindset, give you the tips, tricks, and techniques that we use ourselves. We do the legwork and give you the very best of everything we find. Get ready. The podcast starts right now. Coming to you live. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's one thing we promise we never do is silly voices. Welcome to yeah. the Budget Brothers podcast. <laughs> no, none of that. <laughs> Coming to you from my mom's basement. <laughs> hey, mom, can you bring up some Hot Pockets if you're listening? <laughs> Welcome to episode four of the Budget Bros podcast. How does it feel, Joe, to get four of these podcasts under your belt it feels like i just woke up from a dream and this is my new reality that i'm i'm now a podcaster like like we've made it yeah we've made it you know what we've made it to lots and lots of research and many many takes (laughs) (laughs) today i think you 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 mentioned that in our last podcast that you didn't know it was going to be non-stop non-stop research (laughs) (laughs) but i do read quite a bit and I have a pretty good memory, so I'm like I'm like that dog in the corner that you think's really dumb, but he actually can sit and and roll over and, and everything on command. See, and I have a horrible memory. I don't remember anything. In fact, I think that's why uh, my wife and I get along so well is because I forget absolutely everything, and so does she. And so, you know, we could watch the same movie every night, and it's like uh, the first time. Oh, I'm the opposite, man. I remember everything. I cannot rewatch movies because I know every single thing that's going to happen. I remember people's faces. I remember stories. Like when I was working at the barbershop, I could remember a story a customer told me 10 years ago. Yeah, my stories have a lot of holes in them. (laughs) Mine do too at this point. I'm starting to finally get to the point where my memory is going a little bit. Mine's been fading for a while. Mine's been fading for a long time. You know what else you have to look forward to as you hit get closer to 40? Nose and ear hair. I don't know about you, but I'm starting to get those. Even this little eyebrow hair that just pokes out. and uh... You get that one stray hair that likes to go in the opposite direction of the rest of your hairs. Yeah, I try to comb him into place sometimes when I can't cut him, but he never, he never will behave. <laughs> you start naming them. Just name your nose hairs. That's Bill, Snip, that's Dan. Snip. <laughs> but, you know, I, I, do, I did buy a nose hair trimmer. And that is like the worst feeling in the world, trimming your nose hair. Never do it. It's just not worth it. Just let it grow. Let it grow in your mustache. Yeah, I want it to be where I'm I'm the old guy who walks, whose nose hair actually walks in the door before he does. <laughs> we all know that guy. <laughs> that guy that while well, he's, he's talking to you, the only thing you are looking at is his nose hair, that entire conversation. I want to be that guy. Is that so that if you're ever in a race... Like in a marathon, and it's like neck and neck between you and one other person. That nose hair will make the difference between the two of you. Yeah, you just push your head slightly <laughs> forward like that, and boom. <laughs> Literally won by a nose hair. So today's episode is something that we are pretty excited about. We love shopping at Costco. I know I do. Joe, how, about how much of your shopping each month is done at Costco? Well, I know because I budget and I would say about 60% of my grocery shopping is done at Costco. Now that doesn't include all the furniture and extra stuff that I buy at Costco, which you can get get some good deals on, but probably about 60%. What about you, Ryan? I would say somewhere in there, probably about 
a little bit less, probably about 40%. We like to shop around at a lot of different stores, but Costco does have great deals. Now, Costco is more than just a store. It feels like more like an experience. I was just watching a video that a friend sent me of the first Costco that they opened up in China. <laughs> he just sent it to me like 10 minutes ago when I told him they were doing this episode today. And as they were peeling up that that you know that door that comes down, what, what are those doors called? The, uh, the the garage door? Yeah, like the garage door. As they were slowly peeling up, people were jumping on the ground and going into a roll underneath to be the first ones to get through the door. <laughs> they ran in. They were fighting over raw chicken or raw pork. I don't know what it was, but there was like 20 people in the back grabbing this and ripping this thing apart. That's how excited they were to get their first Costco. <laughs> Wow, it's it's like uh, like the Apple Store, like getting the first iPod or something like that. Get your first slab of raw pork from Costco. I was there. <laughs> it was me. I fought off ten old ladies and I won. <laughs> when I was living in Nepal, we were in this little city, and they only had two grocery stores. Both of them were about the size of a Circle K. So we used to take an hour and a half bus ride to Kathmandu. And they had one store, and this was their Costco stores, but I would say it was probably about the size of a regular Walmart. It was called the Bot Patini. And we'd bring our backpacks and load up on, on stuff like that. But I don't think this concept that we have of these mega stores is everywhere all over the world, at least from what I've seen. So it, Costco really is an experience for some people, even even for us. I think we love going into Costco. It's, it's like, here's your treasure map. Go have fun. <laughs> Find something you know, good. And that's the thing about Costco is that the way that they build their stores is confusing on purpose you'll notice they'll even move things around like i think the coffee has changed locations three or four times in my costco so you're walking through costco confused all the time and they do that because they know you'll walk by this item or that item walk by something you didn't before in fact the center of costco is where you actually find the very best deals so when you head to costco next time go to the center of the costco by the socks you'll find your best deals and then you can move outwards Besides Costco, we have a special guest on today. It's a good friend of mine named Mike, and he's going to be talking to us about side hustles. So stay tuned for that. Now, we're going to get into our segment on Costco. We're going to talk about why Costco's margins are designed to save you money, the top five things that we love to buy at Costco. And finally, I'm going to give you my money-saving tip of the week. Now, this is a one-two punch. It involves Costco and another website. So it's like a combo. It's like a like a double a double savings tip. It's like a combo. It's like those delicious pretzels that used to have the cheese inside. <laughs> combos. <laughs> <laughs> I like combos. Combos are good. You know, it's hard to I don't find combos everywhere, but usually I'll, I'll get them at, you know, like a quick trip or something like that and my wife always comes to me and gives me this like you're disgusting look. <laughs> Brought to you by Pizza Flavored Combos. <laughs> I love the Pizza Flavored Combos. Actually, actually, I'm more of a fan <laughs> of the cheese ones. But how uh, could they make how could they make something like that taste like pizza? That's it's it's disgusting and it's beautiful at the same time. Like, what exactly is pizza flavor? Is it's it? Like a, I know. Is, is it, it like pepperoni? Is it cheese? What is it? It's a pepperoni, cheese, and tomato all rolled into one special powdered flavor. <laughs> they stuff inside the combo. That's like whoever invented the dust that they coat Doritos in has got to be a millionaire. It's like the perfect combination of cheesy goodness. I don't know what it is, but it makes your mouth very happy. 
Whenever you go into a bag of Doritos, you have to set aside time to do nothing else but besides eat those Doritos. You have to be near a sink because no matter what, whether your hands are wet or dry, you're going to be covered in that Dorito dust that turns to this weird little sticky paste in your fingers. So I actually have a picture that I took and hopefully I can find it so that I can post it on the show notes. I was eating a bag of Doritos and inside was a giant clump. It was like the size of a Dorito chip but like 16 times thicker. And it was just this big chunk. People were like, what is that? You know what that, that is the ultimate Dorito. I hope you didn't throw it out. Oh no, no, I kept it. It's right here on my (laughs) shelf. (laughs) Well, let's get into our first segment on Costco. Joe, tell us a little bit about Costco's memberships. Costco memberships are pretty simple. Actually, there's two different memberships you can get. The first one is gold star which is $60 a year. It includes you and someone else in your household that's over 18. And it's $60 plus tax, and it allows you to shop at Costco. The second membership option is the executive option, which is $120. Now, why would you get the executive option? Because Costco is going to give you 2% cash back. How much would you need to spend for it to make sense? Well, You'd need to spend at least $3,000 per year, which averages about $250 per month. Then you'd get about $60 back at the end of the year. So that might make sense for you. $250 per month. That seems to be what uh, about half a Costco run is nowadays. We used to call it growing up. We used to call it, it used to be called Price Club when I was growing up. And then my mom named it the $100 Club. Uh, You can't get nothing for $100 anymore. Yesterday when I went, I decided that I I don't like to go to Costco every month. I like to load up for a month or two. So I pretty much start to impulse buy sometimes. And <laughs> I always figure that I'm getting the best price on, on what I want. And, you know, I think that's a lot of what our, our podcast is about, though, enjoying life. You know, if, if you're getting a good deal and it's something you enjoy, it's okay. I splurge a little sometimes. Yeah, I know, like, for instance, my wife loves, you know, she's gluten-free. So they have these gluten-free crackers. And it's like... It's like a 10-pound bag of these crackers. I don't, I don't know how big it is. The, the cost is like a quarter of the cost if I was to buy them on Amazon Fresh. So it's totally worth it, and you get a big bag of it, and you just kind of get used to it after a while. You get used to everything being giant size. And even if you have two people, I think it's worth it if you're buying stuff that you actually use every month. When I think about Costco memberships, it's like it's more than a membership. It's like It's like a relationship. You're getting involved in Costco. And I know that Costco is focused on consumers whose incomes are at least $100,000 a year. Yeah, that's what's genius about Costco's membership. Their business model completely revolves around their membership. In fact, 75% of Costco's revenue comes from its memberships. That's how Costco keeps its margins or markup of each product so low. Costco can only mark up any product 15%. Now that's on name brand products, but on average, it only marks most items up about 11%. Now, when you compare that to other stores like Walmart, uh, what do you think, Joe? <laughs> How much do you think Walmart marks up products compared to Costco? Walmart's r- margins are going to be as much as they can squeeze out of you. <laughs> I think for years, Walmart's been marketed as the best place that you can purchase anything or the best deal that you can get. But you might be surprised to know that Walmart on average marks most of its products up 24%. So compared to Costco's 11%, you're already saving 
money right there. And what's nice about Costco is they don't carry as many products. We'll talk about that a little more in a second, but they choose the best products to sell. Well, when you look at other supermarkets, most of them mark their products up about 30%. Now tell us more about these unique items that I just touched on. They have only 4,000 products in their entire store, whereas Walmart has over 140,000 products. So stocking, it's easier. Knowing where it is is easier. This is for the employees anyway. There's these dizzying arrays at some of these super supermarkets. Mm-hmm. That's just overkill, I think. Yeah, you know, they call it the paradox of choice. If you're given too many items, by the time you actually choose an item, you're unsure whether or not you've made the right choice. If you go to a supermarket and there's like two or three different kinds of jam, you grab, you know, the grape and jam. <laughs> you grab the grape and you're like, yeah, this is my jam. <laughs> <laughs> you bring it home and, and you feel good about it. But you walk into the supermarket and there's like 35 jams right in front of you. You're not sure if you should have got like that mango apricot or that jalapeno berry or whatever crazy flavors they come up with. <laughs> By the time you make that choice, you might second guess whether or not you got the best product. So it's kind of nice that Costco already takes that all of those choices away from you they get the best products give you one or two of each kind of products max have you ever felt that way about amazon i mean amazon has got i don't even know it's probably millions and millions of products you'll go searching for something and then you spend so much time searching for it that you kind of get burned out and then you don't actually purchase anything and then you never actually get the item because you just kind of give up on the whole process it's just like overwhelming that is one thing I think a lot of people like about Costco. It's not overwhelming. It's just go in. That's the beef they have. That's the chicken they have. Get it. Get out. Yeah, I think we're a lot alike. Whenever we are shopping for something, especially if it's online, we'll both read a lot of the reviews. Then you'll hear you'll read one or two negative reviews, and you think, ah, maybe I can find a better product. And then we move on. <laughs> An hour goes by. And you don't end up buying that pair of workout gloves or whatever you were looking at. So (laughs) now talking about products that we purchase, we mentioned that we're going to talk about our top five products that we think you should buy at Costco. Joe, give us one of these five products. The first one is uh, something that's been a really hot item lately. In fact, CNBC said in 2012 that Costco sold over one billion, drumroll please, Rolls of toilet paper in the year 2012. So it's the single single best-selling product at Costco. In fact, it's way it's it's further back in the store than anything. It's way in the back, far away, and you have to go almost hunt for a toilet paper. They like I know my Costco, it's like in a corner. Yeah, it's mine like, too. There's a there's a right next to the toilet paper is this caution thing, like don't go back here. This is for employees only. It's just way back there because they sell so much of it. They know everybody's going to go back for it because it's the best deal. I mean, when you think about toilet paper, uh, you, you might think of price per roll or price per sheet. It's superior to just about anything. And this is the Kirkland brand toilet paper. Well, if you thought toilet paper was hot in 2012, <laughs> I want to see the numbers <laughs> at the end of 2020 here. One product that I recommend buying at Costco is their alcohol, particularly their Kirkland Signature brand alcohol. A lot of people might not realize that sometimes what Kirkland Signature does is rebrand name brand products and sell you them for a fraction of the price. I had to get the keyword in. I think we need to have a little bell. 
that every time we say a fraction <laughs> of the price, you hear a ding. We do like a little tell, a little tally. You know what a lot of people don't know is like in the grocery store, you might buy the, you might grab the off brand. You'll see the two next to each other. Sometimes, and actually a lot of times, the off brand is actually made by the same company that makes the on brand product. Yeah. Now their beer is often brewed by Gordon, Gordon Bursch. Their scotch is distilled by Alexander Murray. And their vodka is said to be made from the same water source as Grey Goose. How many times have you heard that before? That uh, uh, It seemed to be a rumor for a long time. People would say, oh, it's just Grey Goose. Kirkland Signature is just Grey Goose vodka. I think because it's so comparable, that's probably why. I know that you know, for me, I don't really see a huge difference between vodkas altogether. One reason a lot of people do think that Costco's vodka is made by Grey Goose is because of a lot of blind taste tests that have been done. Oftentimes, Costco wins these. And when you compare their vodka, which is about $20, to Grey Goose, which is $60 that they put them up against, it's really a no-brainer. Number three is $4.99. Costco sells over 87 million of them a year. In fact, they are so cheap, they're cheaper cooked than they are raw, and that's the rotisserie chickens. They're what you call a loss leader. They are losing money on every single rotisserie chicken they sell. Now, why would they do that? Because they know they're going to draw you in the store and you're going to pick up a few items on the way back to the checkout counter. And the fact that they're cheaper cooked rotisserie style and just in that beautiful packaging, you just open it up and just be licking your fingers afterwards. It, it, it's a testament to how smart Costco is because they're saying, okay, well, if we lose two bucks on each one of these, so how much does it cost to get a customer back into our, our Costco stores? It, it makes perfect sense. We'll pay $2 to have people come to our store. Yeah, why not? And I've noticed that the, the price of those chickens has slowly been creeping up at every other grocery store that I go to. Now, for number four, this is something that if you Google the top 10 items not to buy at Costco, often this will appear on those type of lists. Uh, but I recommend getting your organic fruit and vegetables at Costco. Uh, when you look at the price per unit, per item, per ounce of whatever you're getting is by far the best deal out there. Now, the only caveat is that you have to use it up before it spoils. Now, one thing in particular that my wife always has me grab at Costco are their avocados. They seem to ripen a lot slower the most other avocados. Have you noticed that at all, Joe? Do you guys buy your avocados there? We always buy our avocados at Costco. There's something special about them. They're always bigger. We like to buy them a little bit harder so that they last longer, but uh, their, their avocados are just the best. That's why we buy them there. And they only have one kind. You don't. There's not like six avocados. And you're like, wait, which one should I get? You get the nice, big, plump ones. They're perfect. They're Bago wonderful. avocado. Mm-hmm. Now, there's a reason, actually, why they take longer to ripen. It's because this company, Appeal Sciences, they've created this plant-based outer peel. It's made from natural fats found in fruits and vegetables. And they put this on the avocado, which allows it to ripen a lot slower. Uh, This is the only product that they put this on currently at Costco. And I feel okay about, I mean, who knows, I might grow a third you know, arm or something like that. Over time, we'll let we'll go ahead and uh, let you 
listeners will know. But I feel pretty good about eating this because typically you're not eating the outside of an avocado. I don't know if this leaches to the inside. Uh, the FDA says this is completely safe to eat, but do your research, folks. <laughs> no, it's fine. It's, it's all right. It's all right. Fine. Just eat it. Just try it. <laughs> you know, I like that one because, you know, I we do buy our fruits and vegetables at Costco as well. And they come in big boxes. And I think that actually encourages us to eat just a little bit more fruit. But there are some things that come in smaller sizes, like, for instance, the pineapples. Same exact size that you're going to get in a grocery store. So that would be one thing that I would definitely buy at Costco. And the fruit, you know, it changes throughout the year. Um, they try to keep, I think, most things in stock, but there are some things that are only available at certain times of the year, like mangoes and stuff like that. So um, usually it's, it's pretty good deals. Now, I know that strawberries and blueberries, fresh blueberries and strawberries, the price changes significantly when they're in season. Mm -hmm. And you can buy a huge thing of blueberries for like five bucks. When, they're, when the blueberries are off season... It's like you're getting these crummy tasting blueberries and you're paying like three or four times the price. So just buy in-season fruits and vegetables. I think you'll be fine. That sounds good. Let's talk about our fifth item. Something that... The fifth item. That you uh, recommend to buy at Costco there, Joe. Yes. The fifth item I have is vacuums. Vacuums. All right. We're done. Yeah. Thank you, everybody. Yeah. Have a good night. Vacuums. You know, I buy a vacuum about every month. <laughs> Tell us why we should buy our vacuums at uh, Costco. <laughs> I say vacuums as more like uh, tongue in cheek in a way because really vacuums and things like it that you could that you use and if they break and you can bring back to Costco, that's huge. I remember we had a tr like for instance a trash can those automatic trash cans. I'm sure you've seen those where you mm -hmm. you know wave your hand over it and the lid opens. Those it seems like those break six months after you get them every time. Bring it back every time yeah, you bring them back to Costco. They give you a new trash can. It's all part of they know they know this is happening. They see the trends. And so, you know, we, buying something like a vacuum, uh, something that is that could be breakable. You don't have to deal with the hassle of some of these other stores that give you a hard time about taking things back. They usually have more attachments or more power or something special that they add to it to make it just a little bit better and to intrigue you a little bit more. Yeah, I, I purchased a lot of home goods from Costco. Uh, we bought our toilets. I, I don't think I'll have to take those back. But uh, <laughs> our sink. Uh, we even buy our mattresses from Costco. And I don't know if you've ever been to a mattress store and you go through all of the hassle and it's a lot of money. And then a year and a half later, you realize that you're sinking way into the bed. Well, if you don't like your mattress... Wheel that bad boy back into Costco. I see somebody, you know, probably every third or fourth time sitting out there with this huge mattress over this little cart returning it. Now, there are some exceptions to this return policy. They will not take back select electronic items after 90 days. This is, goes for televisions, smartwatches, cameras, MP3 pay players, cell phones, things of that sort. That's good to know because um, we, we don't want to advocate, right, like bringing everything back to Costco. But when it makes sense, you know, if the if the product's bad, bring it back. That's their policy. It's you're not doing anything wrong. That's what they say their policy is. So go for it. Yeah, don't abuse it. You know, I, I used to know somebody, an old acquaintance, I'll say that that did this with televisions. I used to make a joke that he was the one who single handedly made them change their return policy on televisions because he would <laughs> <laughs> go back and get a new TV every six months and get some money back and this and that. Don't don't be that guy. Don't do that. Don't be that Don't guy. Don't be that guy. Don't do that. Don't be that guy. Now, 
we want to take a minute to mention a new feature on our website. We have a blog post that goes up after each episode. And there we have more money-saving tips, advice, information on whatever we're talking about in that episode. And for this specific episode, we talk about Costco's pricing codes. At the end of items, you'll see items that are something, something, 99 cents, 97 cents. All of these have specific meanings. These can help you save money if you know what to look for. So take a look at our website, budgetbrospodcast.com. The one I'm most interested in is after the price, there's a little asterisk. What does that mean? Well, go to your web- go to our website and you'll be able to figure that out. Now, Joe, you shop a lot online for Costco. Tell us a little more about this. If I don't have to go to the store, that works out really great for me. So we've actually been using Costco. What a society for- we've created. Like, do you remember watching the movie Wally? <laughs> <laughs> and later he's on the ship and there's just all these people on chairs and they can no longer walk. Actually, you know what it is? It's that, I mean, obviously with the current, you know, world situation going on right now, I just don't want to be out, but, uh, yeah, but that, really that's, think- that's good. That's good right now for our listeners, especially to know about some of these options where yeah. they might not feel safe going out. So go ahead. So what I did was I went on Costco.com and I've placed two orders now. So we spent about $480, and what we realized is that they accidentally – okay, let me just go back just a little bit. Yeah, so sure. when, you, when you work for Instacart, your job is to go to Costco, do the shopping, and then you check out. And they have a special card that they use, and they check out with that card, and they get a receipt from Costco, and then they deliver it to you. But you get a separate receipt emailed to you from Instacart, and that's how much you paid for those items. Well, the person that delivered my food accidentally left that Costco receipt, which was the actual prices you pay at Costco. So I was actually now, actually, now, now everybody, you're getting the inside scoop behind the scenes. Yes. Are you ready for it? I would have had to go to Costco. I would have had to look at every aisle and look at every tag and see what the price was for each item and then compare the price. But instead, I was able to just compare apples to apples right away. It was very easy. And what I figured out was that when you shop through Instacart, at least at Costco, at my local Costco, I don't know if this is all across the board, it seems to be, the prices that I paid were about 20% higher than if I would have just gone to Costco myself. That's a decent amount. That's, that's a decent markup. But what's interesting about that, though, Ryan, is that I even compared prices with you know buying the same products at uh, Amazon Fresh, Safeway.com, mm-hmm. Kroger.com, and even with that 20% increase, Costco was still cheaper. So I actually placed another order the other day, and then we ordered another order after that. So it's totally worth it, even, even with those higher prices. I spent two and a half hours in Costco the other day. Not only because it was completely packed, the line to check out went all the way past the clothing section. I couldn't even go up and down the last four or five aisles. I'd have to take my cart all the way down to the end, turn around in the aisle, and go all the way back out because I could no longer move through any of those hallways. So I think I would have mm-hmm. liked to Instacart at that at that moment. But you know, if you're looking at it from dollars and cents, you should really know that you're going to pay more if you use Instacart. Now, just one thing real quick to remember is that if you use um, the Costco City card or if you use the executive membership where you get any kind of cash back, 
you want to always go to Costco.com and not Instacart.com to make sure you get those uh, that cash back. Because if you go to Instacart, you won't get it. So go to sameday.costco.com for any of your Instacart purchases. So talking about Instacart, that could be thought of as some people's side hustle right now. Uh, some people lo- love shopping. Maybe they think they, they could go shopping for other people and make a little extra cash. We're going to have an interview right now with a good buddy of mine named Mike. He is a side hustler. Let's go ahead and pick his brain a little bit to see what type of side hustles he's been involved in and what we could learn from him. Mike, we want to welcome you to the studio of Budget Bros Podcast. We really appreciate you coming in. Thank you so much. It's glad to be here. It's nice to be among some friends and some uh, new acquaintances as well, too. How do you like our studio? It's pretty nice, isn't it? <laughs> I can say everything is top-notch. The be- This is the best studio I've ever been in. <laughs> Only the comfiest chairs for our uh, for our guests. And the best microphones. Yep. <laughs> you know, I, I don't know you quite as well as Ryan does, but what I do know is that you are a bit of an entrepreneur. You've got many jobs that you've had, and you do some really interesting things. Maybe you could just start off with telling us a little bit more about you and your mindset when it comes to money, savings, budgets, things like that. I'm not going to be the, I'm not of the mindset where I go to, you know, McDonald's or a fast food place and I'm, I'm, I'm taking all the ketchup or going to <laughs> Starbucks and I'm, I'm taking all the sugar and the raw and the stevia out of, you know, I, I'm not uh, recycling toilet paper or keeping my house at, you know, 85 degrees during the summer type, type thing. Those are great say, uh, money-saving <laughs> tips, man. Yeah, we're going to put those on our website. Dude, you're taking all of our future episode material. <laughs> throwing it out the window. <laughs> you know, there's a certain point in, in your life where you have to realize that, um, you know, you got to live your life. You can't just be living your life based on what is always the cheapest because that is not living. Maybe your your bills exceed what you're making each month. I mean, that that's a, that's a very common thing with most people. Um you know, so that maybe I can maybe I can help you guys out. Maybe I can give some information that might help somebody. Who knows? Yeah, that's one of the main reasons for a side hustle. Uh, figure out uh, a way to make a little extra spending cash. Now, you've had several side hustles in your day. Um, just real quick, we'll give you about thirty seconds. We'll put you on the clock here. Okay. I'm timing it. I'm and, timing uh, it. Uh, yeah. Time. Can you list all of your side hustles that? Uh, that you've done? All right, in, thir- in 30 seconds. Here we go. Let's Ready, see. set, um, go. All right, so I've done uh, consumer product research, um, giving opinions, um, doing market research, getting paid cash for that. Um, I've been basically a bounty hunter for rental cars that people um, take past their rental contracts or they keep them for too long. Um, I started up a board game business on the side. Um, I've done an internet sales of uh, card games, miniatures, um, I've done mining and trading of cryptocurrency, and then one of my newest ones that I'm trying to do on the side is uh, is is metal detecting, treasure hunting, looking for gold, that type of stuff. Time's up. Sorry. All right, oh. we, we, you, you snuck in. You what was snuck what I in. come in at? Thirty-one. You, you came in about thirty-two. Well, oh. we'll we'll give it to you. You snuck in metal detecting at the end. Now, the one that immediately caught my attention was the word bounty hunter for rental cars. Can you tell our listeners just a little about that experience, how you got into it, what it involved, and uh, did you face any real danger? What I actually would do is go out to these various houses or various businesses 
where people had rented a car from Enterprise, Budget, Avis, Thrifty, all these different rental car companies, and they just never brought them back. They would hold on to them for days, weeks, months, and the rental car company, they don't want to take the loss on this. They don't want to have to file a claim through their insurance company. I'd get like a dossier of the person, you know, where they lived, where they worked. Did it give you like a wanted, you know, like a wanted uh, <laughs> little email? It had, <laughs> had their mo- you know, basically they give you the information as far as the person, where they lived, where they worked, what kind of car it was, how long they've had it. And what I would do is I would, I would track these people after I got out of school for the day. And that was coincidentally right when people would be getting home from work. And what I would do first is once I had ID'd the car, um, course being safe i don't want to get shot i don't want to get beat up i would uh, i would call the the tow truck company for the rental that the rental car company had had and get them on the way and then i would maybe usually park in such a way that they just couldn't drive off with the car and at that point i would go up and i would i would calmly inform them that it was time to give the rental car back and you wouldn't believe most of the people that they would give me every reason under the sun that uh, why they had the car. Some of it was, oh, it's it's my it's my grandma's. Oh, oh, my, that's my husband's car, you know. Or, oh, I have I really had it that long? And does it still does it still have the Enterprise sticker on the actual <laughs> vehicle somewhere? <laughs> yeah, it would still it would still have like the little ID, the registration that would show that it was a rental car. I mean, it'd have the little sticker on the window that says no smoking <laughs> on the car. Did you ever feel like you were in, in danger at any time? Did anybody get hostile towards you? Or I mean, it's I I would be a little intimidated just knocking on somebody's door, parking, putting my car in danger. Yeah, how much training did you get? Like, did did they put you through you know a couple weeks worth of classes to figure out how to make sure you did this the right way? Was it like an '80s video of like uh, your workplace and you? I mean, I was basically given like the hey, here's the email dossier. Hope you can find it. That was uh, it. Because, yeah, was it? You know, because when you think about it, for them, don't die. Like either they get the car back, or they file an insurance claim that it was stolen, and they get the money for the car. Every car I got back was maybe about a couple hundred bucks, two hundred, three hundred, four hundred bucks back. And uh, you know, it was a it was a nice way to make some extra side money, maybe for a, an afternoon's worth of work. Maybe it took me a few days. This isn't like going to the library and and re- and taking out a book and. Never returning it. I mean, it's it's like more of like Grand Theft Auto with extra steps, I guess. <laughs> because what you're doing is they they would rent the car maybe for a week, and then they would keep it for a month, maybe two months. Hmm. And, you know, the police don't have time to, to mess around with that. The rental car company doesn't have time to mess with that. So they would so have when people you like myself go track these cars down. Mike and, the bounty hunter. Yeah, I even had I even <laughs> had to grow up my hair a little bit to be a little bit more intimidating. You know. And wear sunglasses, <laughs> even if it is nighttime. Uh, they were polarized, too, so they couldn't see if I was looking the other way. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you'd work during the day or go to school during the day and bounty hunt at night. Now, when we're talking about how much you made probably per hour, but not after you did all the driving, you did your uh, your research online about, about where this person lived, all said and done, what do you think you were making an hour? And there's the risk of getting beat up, too. Don't forget about that. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, the, the, I'm, thankfully I never had anything. No one ever got physical. No one ever got to the point where they got in my face. I just told them straight up, hey, you have this car. It's way overdue. Time to bring it back, man. Time's <laughs> up. Um, but after everything was said and done, sometimes an afternoon of work, maybe an hour's worth of work, uh, make a couple hundred bucks, 200 bucks, 250 bucks. 
Um, sometimes it would take me more than an afternoon. Maybe it'd take me like three or four afternoons, a whole week maybe. Um, then, then that still wasn't that bad. But if you're getting paid 200 bucks maybe to find a car and it takes you an afternoon, an hour each afternoon, you know, that's still that's still pretty good money. That's still, what, 40 maybe 50 bucks an hour, depending on how you splice it. So it was kind of all over the place, what I'm hearing. Sometimes you can make great money an hour. Sometimes if you're looking for this thing every week, you're stopping by this house. Yeah, I mean, I would try to I would try to grab the ones that was usually on my way home. I try to make it, you know, smart smart myself out away or not smart myself out. <laughs> I always smart myself out. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would try to, I would try to optimize it so that I could, you know, maybe do it on my way home and make the extra money. Awesome. Well thanks for explaining that one to yeah, us. Yeah, I'll never do that. <laughs> <laughs> it actually wasn't too bad, you know. A lot of times I mean if you approach the people you're super cool about it, not not even close. You know any anything that sounds easy I, I, I wreck at. It's like the first time I went water skiing. It, oh, it's so easy. You just get up on the board and it's you know super easy. <laughs> I tried for like three hours and I was so weak and I never stood up. And then everybody else gets out there and they're like, <laughs> you know, doing all kinds of twists and turns and stuff like that. And I completely failed. You at felt it. like you were beaten with a bat afterwards, probably from falling down so much. Yes. Yeah. It's especially bad if everybody else on the boat gets up, even, you know, like the feeble old granny for the first time <laughs> nails it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yep. Now, one of the things you mentioned, Mike, was part-time consumer research. Tell us a little bit more about that because I think this is something that almost anyone listening can get into and make a few yeah, bucks. Yeah, that was, that was really nice. It was probably one of the easiest ones I've ever done. You just have to give these companies your opinion, maybe give them an hour, two hours of your time, let them know what you think. Um, primarily with a company called Fieldwork is one of the ones, the more popular ones. If you call them, and you get set up with them, maybe you, you give them a profile, say, hey, I'm, you know, 42 years old, I live in, you know, Atlanta, Georgia, or I live in, you know, Philadelphia, whatever And I'm a part-time is. bounty hunter. What do you got for me? Yeah, <laughs> and a part-time <laughs> bounty hunter. Uh, that was one of the greatest things I've ever done with you there, Ryan, is, is we, got, we were both involved in one of these market research yep. things a couple years back. Yeah, why don't you tell the listeners about the best research study that we got involved in? Okay. Well, uh, this this is this has got to be the, the the best, okay? Uh so if someone <laughs> went up to you and said, "Hey, would you like to come and taste beer for an hour or two and we'll pay you 200 bucks a night?" <laughs> yes, please. Ryan and I actually were able to get invited to one of their market research um two nights. It uh, paid 200 bucks a night. And we just showed up and we drank beer for an hour, maybe an hour and a half. Yeah, it's a good gig, man. And uh, once you get in with these different types of companies, they'll they'll just randomly call you or, or email you and get a little bit of information to see if you qualify for one of their research studies. And you make great side money once in a while. It's nice because you're not always sh sure when it's going to happen. Sometimes it happens at just the uh, optimal time that you need a little extra cash and getting paid 400 bucks to drink beer two nights in a row. Um, you can't beat that. I've done, um, ones where I had to give my opinion on local hospitals. There was another where I had to give my opinion on, on payway, the, uh, the Asian mm. restaurant payway. And I walked away with money and, and payway gift cards. Now moving on to another one of these side hustles, uh, give us a quick rundown on cryptocurrency, how you got into it. Was it worth it? Did you make any money? Just give us a little bit of uh, detail on that. Cryptocurrency, it was, it was a fun side project. This is back right before it started blowing up big. It was probably the most challenging of all the side hustles I've ever done because it, it took a lot of time and effort to get it set up correctly. I mean, you're working with computer, computer hardware, 
and then you're melding that with programs that sit there and just calculate algorithms and calculations all day long. So if someone saw, you know, like one of these movies about cryptocurrency and about these people that mine it and, you know, all people see is that everyone involved in Bitcoin is a millionaire. Oh, yeah. Would you say that's a good idea for someone to start right now? Uh, this is not like something where you fire up your computer and you like say engage Bitcoin.exe. <laughs> that, that is not how this works. I mean, you have to you have to manage uh, uh, voltages, heat. Heat is a huge factor. Uh, I remember there were some times in my house where it was like 90 degrees in the room. It was basically like a Guatemalan jungle in the room that I had set up. <laughs> it was so hot. And, you know, I basically, it, it takes a lot of money to cool something like that. And you got to keep them cool because they will fry if you don't. Um, but for the average person, uh, probably... Probably not. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned about the heat. I had uh, stayed with a friend of a friend in Oregon at the beginning of the Bitcoin days. And because he lived in a cooler climate during the winter, he would heat his house with all of his mining machines. He had oh, you could? Hooked him up. Yeah, he hooked him up to the ductwork and he could heat <laughs> his house off of everything that they put out. Now, living where we live in Arizona, it's probably not <laughs> going to be the cheapest. We, we don't need any extra heat here. Let's get down to dollars and cents real quick. Can you tell us kind of how much you spent to build these mining machines, how much you made, and, and did you break even, or or did you come out ahead? Just give us a rough estimate. Uh, obviously, you don't probably don't have your spreadsheets out there in front of you. Oh, yeah. I don't have my profit and loss for my uh, side hustle black market <laughs> cryptocurrency machine. Yeah, do you want to pull um, that up right now? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, after everything was said and done, I, I would say probably about maybe around 1000 bucks or so. I was able to learn something from it. I had an interesting experience. I made some money. I, I paid for myself for a vacation with it. I mean, I, I, I didn't lose anything, but I did learn a lot. You know, Mike, when I think of board games, I think of Monopoly or Risk. You're not talking about that. You're running a business that buys and sells more intricate board games and also some expansion packs and things like that. Can you tell us how you started that business and also... How much money you're making off of it? Oh yeah, um, yeah. It's definitely definitely not like a Monopoly or Sorry or any of those type of like Go Fish games. It's definitely definitely not that. <laughs> um, probably in the last maybe 15, 10, 15 years, there's been a very large resurgence of people being interested in board games and card games, miniature games, all that type of stuff. Um, I had always it always been a kind of a passion of mine since I was a kid. But, you know, growing up, I didn't have a lot of extra money. I'm, you know, we weren't super poor, but we weren't the wealthiest. And so I didn't really have... You, the... you didn't you didn't dumpster dive or live in a car? No, I did not. I mean, I, I, I have respect for those that did, but... You missed out. It was, it was out never like that. But I always... I, my parents, you know, we, we couldn't afford for that type of stuff when, when I was younger. But, you know, we made do. Um, here I go, I get older, and I'm a, now I'm an adult. And all these things that were cool back then are still around, or maybe they're, you know, they've been re transformed into other games. And it was something that I had always loved when I was a kid. And as I got to be an adult, I realized that the market had probably gone more mainstream, but also had grown to where it wasn't deemed uncool to be into all kinds of different card or miniature board games that um, most people would usually classify you as a nerd or a dork for being into. So it sounds like you took something that was something you were really passionate about and you turned it into a way to either make money or to at least break even in a hobby that could be expensive. 
Yeah, um, um, I realized that it costs a lot of money. These things aren't cheap. And when I started kind of doing the numbers, I realized that, hey, why don't I get set up with my own board game business, get set up to where I can buy these from a distributor, and then have them for my own personal use and start selling them online or selling them locally. Uh, that was kind of the turning point when I, I started doing the research. So many of our listeners are probably thinking about that same thing. They're thinking, I have a love for art or photography. If they were wanting to turn that into a money-making business, what are some steps that they could take to help them do that? The sky's the limit with what people are into. Um, but I would say, first and foremost, it, it has to be something that you're passionate about. Because when you're passionate about it, you you kind of have the inside scoop for what something is worth, maybe what something will be worth in the future, um, how rare or scarce it is to be able to obtain. Um, but I would say do, to find something that you're passionate about. But at least with it being something that you're into, you are not being thrown into the deep end of the pool. You're not being thrown into a business that you have no information or background in. If you fail, you fail. Uh, you learn from that failure. And I think that's the big thing is that the more chances that you take, the more opportunities you try to capitalize on, you will have something that will eventually go right and be successful. You always got to be a little bit informed of what you're jumping into. Um, don't, don't throw caution to the wind. You still want to be smart about it. But if you make a few bad decisions you learn from them and that's the that's the the best teacher sometimes yeah so just give our listeners just a little bit of an idea what was the most expensive item that that you were able to, to sell and, and and how much profit did you make on that but see board games are, are an interesting interesting bunch here is because uh, a lot of times you'll buy these items you might have to order them months months in advance pre-order them and when you do those things uh, you get promotional items you get extra copies you get all kinds of different swag that they like to throw in with these new new games and then when they come to market people buy them all up and they just can't immediately print brand new ones right away because they have to go through production and so what happens is certain games you might have a retail value of 60 bucks mm -hmm. you you buy them for 30 and you sell them for 60 but the rarity now increases the value of these things to where people are now paying $200 for a game that would only be 60 Probably the greatest score I've ever done is where I've taken maybe uh, collectible items, collectible card games or miniature games, and take something that may have cost me maybe, you know, 10 bucks, and piece it out and turn it around and maybe make, you know, $600 in, in a, a sitting by piecing it out and doing the time and selling it to the right people maybe on eBay, maybe on Amazon, whatever the case may be. Yeah, if there was one thing you could tell someone who wants to work a side hustle, what would be your advice or your recommendation for them when it comes to those side hustles? Well, I would probably say with a side hustle, the number one thing is, is don't panic at first. Um, you know, panicking about these things, that does no one any good, and it doesn't give you a clear head to think with. If you don't panic and you, you calmly sit there and think, hey, what am, what am I good at? What do I like to do? What types of things, um, hobbies am I into? And once you start thinking about these types of things, you might find ways to where you can incorporate them into a, a revenue source. But I think the big thing is, is don't be afraid. I like that you said whatever you're passionate about. I have this eclectic friend. He loves coffee mugs. In fact, he's 
trying to, he, he sells a lot of these on eBay. He's trying to create a website, which I think is a great name uh, that he came up with, uglymugs.com. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. It's so, that's so cool, though. Yeah. And, and what he's figured out, though, he's showed me some of his eBay sales. He'll go into a Goodwill or, or wherever. He'll find the mug section and he knows what's worth a lot of money he picked one up and he's like yeah i just bought this for two dollars a week ago and i sell uh, and i sold it for uh 45 on ebay or i sold it for a hundred dollars and i can't believe what some people pay for coffee mugs it, it's it's just a little subset but he knows exactly about that uh he knows the insides and outs and he's able to use that to make a little extra money. I think I'm his buyer because I love coffee mugs and I really love unique coffee <laughs> mugs. I like to have like 50 different kinds. Ugly mugs. Are they a sponsor? <laughs> I'm going to actually, I'm going to tell him before this episode airs, since we do these in advance that I just dropped the name of his website on there so that he better go and register that it's going to might this might actually push him <laughs> towards starting that business and making it live. Oh man. I just want to touch base on something you said, Mike, about, um, not being afraid, you know, and, and also do, you know, do what you're good at, because I think some people might look at some of these side hustles like Uber or Lyft or Instacart and think, well, that's that's below me. Well, what if you're just really good at shopping? You know, I, I've looked at some of these uh, online blogs and YouTube videos of people who do Instacart and some of them just love to shop. And so they're able to actually shop for other people and provide them with a service, get tips, and do something that they are actually passionate about. It doesn't have to be like some intricate thing. It can be as simple as signing up for one of these uh, gig economy type companies. You could be a coin collector. Who knows? You could be the guy who, who all goes out and buys 1965 uh, quarters because that's when they used to be all filled with silver. You know, you never know what you're going to, what you could be good at. Um, there's all kinds of weird stuff that people uh signs on the road that you'll see hey we buy used cars or we buy this or that um you know you can turn anything into a side business there's just so many side hustles out there and i think that that's why we wanted to bring you in today mike and and interview you to get some of your experiences uh to get some of your insights on just what's involved in a side hustle and get people to really think, hey, can, is this something I can do? Is there a way for me to make a little extra money right now? So, Mike, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. We really appreciate it. One of the things we were talking about in our podcast was Costco. We're talking about all the ways that you can save money at Costco. What's the best deal that you can get at Costco right now? What's your favorite? Oh, man, I, I'd probably have to say uh, pizza. You know, sometimes if you're on a budget, you don't have to be eating ramen all the time. <laughs> um, you know, nothing lifts a person's spirit, makes it a party, um, until you have pizza. If you have pizza, That's it's right. great. Dude, pizza um, party, Costco, pizza party was pizza the best great. day at school. Pizza yeah. party? I mean, when you heard it was pizza party Friday, <laughs> school oh, became cool. Your day was, your day was 100% better. <laughs> well, anyways, at Costco, <laughs> I mean, I don't think they have changed their prices on the pizza for 15 years maybe or more i mean you can still get their huge pizza it's what 10 bucks plus tax for most places um when you compare that with all these other places the chain pizza restaurants uh, papa john's uh, pizza hut uh, it, it, the value is just you can't you can't beat it 
and and on top of that, he won't give you the meat sweats like uh, like Papa John's will. The meat sweats. <laughs> what are the meat sweats? The meat. Some people like the meat sweats. <laughs> Google Papa John. Google Papa John meat sweats. You'll know what I'm talking about. Maybe it's from um, the garlic sauce. Or, or don't. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what the meat sweats are, but I'm definitely. Uh, is, is this safe for our listeners to Google? <laughs> this is this is safe to Google. Okay. That's why Papa John always looked like he was greasy. They always joke that he had the meat sweats going on. <laughs> And on top of that, did you know that you can usually get your pizza other than uh, you get your pizza not just pepperoni combo what? or cheese? Really? Dude, I, I'm I'm not even not even joking with you. Okay, so if you just ask them, hey, can I get pepperoni and sausage? They'll make it for you. Wow, you just did you, you realize? Did no, you realize no, that? no, you just changed my world actually because I thought that I was stuck on cheese, pepperoni, or supreme, and this has been my whole life because I've been going. To Costco since I was a little kid, and and sometimes I would be a little sad because I'm a huge sausage. Wait a minute, fan. wait a minute, because you know what? I went to Costco, and I remember I ordered one of their ice creams, and I was looking at the ice cream machine, and on top of it was a bottle of Hershey's syrup, and I said, "Oh, uh-huh. can you put some some Hershey's syrup on that?" Nope, sorry, I can't do it. Well, what I think we should do is have um, our listeners. Go ahead and send us a message. Try this at Costco uh, and let us know if you have success just like Mike. Maybe it's just you, Mike. Like I, I want to hear if anybody else has tried this and, and is able to get uh, different types of pizza made from Costco. So go to our website, budgetbrospodcast.com, or send us an email to budgetbrospodcast at gmail.com. Let us know all about your Costco pizza experiences, please. <laughs> You know, the one thing I have to do, though, when I go to Costco is I have to take it home. I get I have them wrap it up. I'll even get one slice and have them wrap it up because I have to dip my pizza in ranch dressing. It's the only way. Yeah. You know, I like to make the pizza taco where you taco the pizza and then you make that little boat for the ranch to <laughs> the ranch to reside in. <laughs> so good, man. It's like 50 uh, percent ranch, 50 percent pizza. <laughs> I know we may sound like we're all 300 pounds in here, but uh, but we're not. Well, thanks so much uh, for coming on here today, Mike. Thanks for sharing your experiences. Uh, you're our second guest ever in the Budget Bros podcast studio. You mean I wasn't the first? Uh, oh no. man, now I'm hurt. Well, you know, I had to get I had to get my wife in first. Otherwise, you know, she wouldn't help us with any of the editing or anything like that. So. Yeah, well, no, thanks for, thanks for having me on. If maybe I can, uh, if I can help someone out, maybe encourage someone to take a risk, take a chance. Um, who knows? Maybe maybe might help or help their lives, enrich their lives, or maybe make things easier for them in the long run. Who knows? Wow, what a great interview that was with Mike. You know, I never knew that uh, even some of these side hustles even existed. It's like who's ever heard of being a bounty hunter for for cars? <laughs> <laughs> or drinking beer and getting paid for it. I mean, yeah, best I side hustle of all time. You know what time. I want to ask you now is okay. I want you to tell us about your deal of the week on episode four for Costco and and glasses. I got to know what this is all about. Please share yeah, your wisdom, Ryan. It's time for our deal of the week. So like I mentioned in the beginning, this is a one-two punch. Step one. Hope you're writing this down. Step one, (laughs) go to Costco and use their optometrist to get your eyes checked out. Uh, It's usually the cheapest 
that you can find. It's probably about fifty to a hundred dollars, depending on if you're getting glasses or glasses and contacts. Then get your prescription. Don't purchase glasses at Costco. Go to this website. It's called zenioptical.com. Now, if you want to pull that up, Joe, and take a look at this this website. Oh, I got uh, it right here. Zenioptical.com, Z-E-N-N-I optical.com, is a great place to purchase your glasses. Why did they choose Zenny Optical? Don't you think Zenny would have been available? <laughs> would have no idea what Zenny is because I don't. Is it like the dude's name? I don't know where Zenny comes from. I just know that somebody else shared this link with me and I've been using it for about four or five years now. What you do is after you put in your prescription, you can take a picture of yourself, put it up there and try all of the different glasses that they have online. They also have a a place where you can uh, put in your measurements. They want you to measure the diameter from your your pupil to pupil. And after it gathers all that information, it will kind of calculate how these glasses are going to look on your face. Some people like to go to the store and and try on glasses, but this gives you a pretty accurate idea of what the glasses are going to be like. I just went to this website and it asks you all these different questions about your face. Like, is your jaw square-shaped, soft U-shaped, or pointy V-shaped? See, you're going to learn a lot about yourself. This is time for self re- self reflection. <laughs> Besides that, uh, you're going to be able to get a good pair of glasses from in the neighborhood of thirty to fifty dollars. I often like to wait till the end of the year. They'll uh, have these promotions where they even give you free shipping and and kick the price down twenty or thirty percent. I've used them now for five years. I haven't got a bad pair of glasses. In fact, they even have blue blocker lenses as a uh, <laughs> an option. Who are you, my dad? <laughs> Ever since I saw that commercial about blue blockers for Walgreens, I've been hooked. Nice. I had to, I couldn't afford it back then, but now but now I can. No, it's funny is uh, when I saw this come up, I started laughing and I started reading a little more about them and it actually helps the blue light that comes off of televisions and iPads and and monitors. It helps you not to have a headache from looking at these things for quite some time. So now me, my dad, my grandfather, we all have blue blockers. There's a section on zenny.com that tells you their frames for $6.95. Now, you might think that these are just going to be the garbage of the garbage <laughs> frames. Uh, usually, uh, I'll usually pick out a frame from here. And the ones I'm wearing right now, I found for six ninety-five. Uh, you have to add your different lenses, uh, the add-ons like the blue blocker. You got it. Must, must do blue blockers. And at, at the end, you can usually get them for around... 30 to 50 dollars i can tell from this website it is really focused on it's like a technology first website it's like you can look at yourself in every single pair of these glasses it looks man i look good in some of these glasses man they were they were right on with my head shape and everything it's really cool yeah and if you do purchase a pair of glasses and you don't like them you can return them and they will give you a one-time credit to buy anything else for a full refund on their store i used to pay 200 dollars plus for a pair of glasses Uh, So now I'm saving about 75%. Thank you, Ryan, for sharing that money-saving tip of the week. We also want to thank our guest, Mike, for coming on and sharing some gig economy and side hustle information. 
you're definitely going to want to check out our website for Lucy's Two Cents blog, where she talks about even further ways that you can save money at Costco. She's got some really interesting tips Costco and tricks stories. that we didn't share on the podcast today, but you can read all about at BudgetBrosPodcast.com. You can also send us an email directly to BudgetBrosPodcast at gmail.com. Our podcast drops every Monday, so make sure to subscribe. Our next episode is all about how you can save money right now on four specific things. That does it for episode four. We'll see you in seven days. Take care. Oh, oh, oh.